So I, I ask a few of you what you all have learned or noticed through this whole COVID business, you know, and the, specifically the quarantine time. And I got some real interesting responses. Somebody told me, uh, they said, she said that she's thought all these years, the reason why she's never thoroughly cleaned her house is that she didn't have time. She's found out through COVID that's not the reason at all. One person was telling me that uh, he's found out that to eat at this high of a stress level for this long a period of time, and you find out very quickly that the buttons on your shirt social distance themselves. Uh, another person was telling me about pretty much the same thing. She said what she's found uh, throughout this whole thing is that you have to keep trying your jeans on every two or three weeks to make sure you're, they fit because your pajamas will lie to you. Your pajamas will make you think everything's okay when it's not. I like this one. This person told me that when the World Health Organization announced that dogs cannot contract COVID-19 and they released the dogs from quarantine, he said, I learned right then and there, who let the dogs out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody told me, I finished Netflix. I mean, really? <laughs> but my favorite was somebody told me on day 121, they looked at their dog in the eyes and understood what he'd been trying to tell them for a long time. Now you know why I chew the furniture. <laughs> okay, listen, we're all sick of COVID. All right, we're sick of the mask. We're sick of this. We're sick of... But you know, when you get right down to it, we're sick of sick. Nobody wants to be sick. Nobody wants COVID. Nobody wants allergies. Nobody wants the flu. Nobody wants a cold. Nobody wants to be sick emotionally either. Nobody wants to be sick spiritually either. That's why I love Psalm 103 verse 2 that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He has forgiven all of our sins and healed all of our diseases. He forgives all of our sins and heals all of our diseases. Now, that's what I call a clean bill of health right there. And the idea behind that is God loves each of us so much, he sent his son down here to fix all the brokenness in our lives. Not just the COVID stuff, but stress and depression and anxiety and all the sin issues that we have in our life. He came to fix that. The, the great physician, Jesus, came to do that. And I got good news. He's in the building right here today. John Ortberg, uh, in his writing, uh, Healing for My Soul, several years ago, he said that that's Jesus' main mission for coming to earth, to heal. Now, he didn't just come to draw large crowds of people and heal them. He came to announce that now through him, God was beginning to heal the entire human race. And I like that. I agree with that. And I think that's why you read throughout the Gospels, uh, in ex for example, in just Matthew 8 and 9, story after story after story of Jesus healing people, healing diseases and healing the mute and the lepers and, you know, paralytic people and demon-possessed people. He raised somebody from the dead, healed a centurion servant. In fact, the Bible says Jesus went about preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, and healing every disease and sickness. And, and then a strange thing happens. Right in the middle of all of that, all the healing, we get the account of Matthew being called. Isn't that strange? Listen to this, Matthew 9, 9. Jesus went out from there, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, follow me he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Isn't that strange? Why would he do that right in the middle of all these healing stories? Well, let's ask a few questions and see if we can't kind of figure this thing out. First of all, anybody in here know who wrote the book of Matthew? You can take a wild guess. If you want. That's right, it's Matthew. And Matthew's pointing out to us, in the midst of all these physical healings, I got the full package. I got a clean bill of health. 
I mean, he cleaned up my conscience. He cleaned up my broken heart. He cleaned up my loneliness. The soul that was empty, Jesus filled it up. And I just want you all to know that he, I'm one of the people that he healed. So he's writing about that. And then in verse 10, it says that he threw a dinner party. And at the dinner party, Jesus came, the disciples came. And then there were some real sketchy people there, some uh, other tax collectors and some scandalous friends of Matthew. And the Pharisees, the Bible saw, uh, said, saw that Jesus was hanging out with these people, and they didn't like it very much. And how Jesus answered them is very critical to you and I as we look for healing, especially in these days. This is what he said in verse 12. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sinner. In other words, Jesus didn't come to the planet for healthy people. He came to this planet for sick people. And that's real good news for you and I. We'll get back to that. So Ortberg says that this is actually a one-sentence parable. I like that. But whether you think that way or not, there are three main characters that are in this parable. And one is the doctor. And the next set of characters are the sick people. And the next set of characters are the healthy people. And if we can ask some questions, maybe we can walk through this thing. First of all, who's the doctor? Jesus. This is Dr. Jesus. Well, who's the sick people? It's all those people sitting at the table. The tax collectors and the sinners, real sketchy. I mean, probably some Boilermaker fans, you know, Ohio State fans. I mean, nasty people hanging out in this place. And, and uh, what, how, are, how are sick people? How do they act? Well, normally sick people are pretty needy. It's physically sick people are needy. You ladies are always talking about a man cold and how sissies we are when we get sick. But spiritually, uh, sick people are very needy too, and they're always looking for ways to fix things and fill things up. It's just not working out. Uh, another thing about sick people is they normally tend to be humble. In other words, they don't expect godly, respectable people to hang out with them, and that's why they're shocked here that Jesus would have anything to do with them at all. I mean at all. And then thirdly, sick people are generally in touch with their pain. People like Matthew, who's been hated by his own people for years because he collects tax, and there's probably some women at that party who have had to do certain things to survive. You know what I mean? And then you've got some cheaters there and some sketchy people. Those are the sick folks. Then there's the healthy ones. Who are they? Well, oddly enough, they're the churchy people. These are the church leaders. And what kind of people are the healthy people? Well, to be real honest with you, they're a proud group of people. This is a group of people who think they got it all together. This is a group of people that think they really don't need anything. This is a group of people that don't hang, like hanging out with sick people. They like getting away from them. These healthy people are the ones who know all the right words to say. They'll say things like, God is so gracious, and I'm so glad he forgives my sins. But if you hang out with these people long enough, you'll find out they really don't think they need much grace, and they don't need much forgiveness because they got things pretty much together, but they know you need it. Here's, here's another thing about these healthy people. They're pretty good at covering up. Jesus would say later on about some of them on the, on, on the outside, they look good. Some of them look real good. Uh, they got their lives together. They got a good image. They're respectable and admired by a lot of people on the outside. But on the inside, oh my goodness, their thoughts, their desires. Let's just say they're a whole lot different on the outside than they are on the inside. Next question, who did the doctor come for? Well, he said, I came for the sick. That's what doctors come for. I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. And then here's a real important question for everybody in, in here and anybody who's watching this morning. What category are you in? <clears throat> Be honest with yourself. You don't have to answer it out loud. But are you sick or are you healthy? 
Not really sure? How about the person sitting next to you? Look them over real good. We'll talk about that. You know, it's a strange thing about church people to me. See, in the beginning, uh, we want to be the people that Jesus came for. Who don't want to be part of the group that Jesus came for? For a while, we like that. But the strangest thing happens pretty soon. We get pretty tired of being needy, and we get tired of being humble, and we get tired of being uh, in touch with our pain. And so we like to move towards the healthy group that got it all together. It's a strange thing about the church that we do that. Another question, what's this disease these sick people are suffering from? It's not COVID. It's not cancer or the flu. Jesus is very clear. He said, look, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sinners. So that group over there, think they got it all together. I didn't come for them. I came for this group over there that got full of sin. And here's the deal. Anytime we're going to talk about healing of any kind, we got to deal with sin. Normally, when we talk about healing, even from a church setting, we talk about wounds and scars from the past, and we all got that, and it's good to talk about it. But the core of who we are, the problem that all of us in here have, the center of it, is sin. And it's a disease that's got us all. That's why we spent the last couple of weeks talking about the gospel. We've got to talk about that a lot, because anybody in here has done life long enough to realize this is a powerful disease you can't take care of on your own. This is chronic we need a doctor on call 24-7. We need Jesus. And so <clears throat> I'm going to talk about sin a little bit this morning, and then we'll come back down to this altar like we do every week and let him do some, some work. Sound like a winner? Let's do it. Here's the first category of sin. It's sinful acts. Those are just the things that we do that we know we shouldn't do. We cheat. We lie. We gossip. We lust. We do things we know we shouldn't do. Just sinful acts. In fact, I can tell you about a member of your staff that sinned just recently. Would you be interested in that? I, th I thought you would be. So we went to the Chocolate Moose after lunch uh, Monday before last. We always go out to lunch as a staff on Monday, and we all went into the Moose together, and all of us were obedient to the People's Republic of Monroe County. We put our masks on like we're supposed to. We walked in, all of us but one. Christy did Oh, I didn't mean to mention her name. She didn't think, Christy didn't think that she had to wear her mask in. So she walked in without it and got us kicked out of the moose. South Union Christian Church staff is banned from the moose from here on out. Did you know that? I'm just kidding. That's, but she did walk in without her mask, okay? And I wanted to make sure you knew that. Look, part of, the power, part of the power of sin in our life is that normally you and I are blind to how bad it is in us. We're really good at seeing in other people though, right? And one of the tools that you and I use on a daily basis that causes us to be able to live with ourselves and the sin in our lives is the tool of denial. We wouldn't be able to live without it. Years ago, we talked about a psychiatrist by the name of William Backus. I don't know if you remember me talking to him about, about him or not, but uh, he said one time that on average now, a normal human being will use deception or lie 200 times a day. That's average. And most of the time, we don't even know we're doing it. Sorry I'm late. Traffic was terrible. Why don't you just tell the truth back, it says. Traffic was fine. The truth is, you're not important enough for me to make the effort to be here on time. We don't say that because that would hurt them really bad. And it would make us be, not be able to live with ourselves that we're really that bad of a person. So instead, we just twist things a little. We lie a little bit. We exaggerate. We spin it with your words that we use or words that we don't use. We just lie. And we do that several times a day so we can live with ourselves because of the way we really are. 
Now, I don't know if he's right on money with that or not. I think maybe he is. But I do know that Barna did a survey not too long ago, and they asked people what the five biggest temptations they fight every day. Now, they did this anonymously. So you think about this for a minute. Uh, what's going on in our culture right now in terms of racism, in terms of hatred, and and sex, and violence, and greed, and all the stuff that's going on in our country, and they asked these people anonymously to to admit what they uh, were tempted by, uh, the top five things. Are you ready for them? Buckle up. Number one, I'm tempted to worry too much. I guess I uh, I have to confess I don't trust God courageously enough. Number two, procrastination. I put things off. Number three, I have a tendency to eat too much. Number four, I guess I spend too much time on social media. If I was brutally honest, I'd say I spend too much time on social media. And number five, I I can be lazy. I can be lazy. Are you kidding me? Is it just me or does this sound a little soft to you? By way of contrast, keep that list in mind and listen to what God says about the human condition in Romans chapter 3. There's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I guess if I had to be brutally honest, I'm tempted to watch too much TV. Are you kidding me? This is the prophetic condition of the human race from God's eyes. And you read this list and you say, vipers and cursing and bitterness? Uh, Who's he talking about? Wait a minute, Cain, are you talking to me? Yeah. Yeah, I am. And I'm talking to me. And here's the deal. We have such a hard time with this diagnosis that we try to self-diagnose and come up with all other reasons why we've got problems. And the biggest one right now in our country is self-esteem. That's what our problem is. Did you know that's low self-esteem? All we got to do is build up people's self-esteem. So we tell our kids they can do anything they set their minds to. They can be anything they want to be. We got to make sure that every student gets good grades, whether they earn them or not. We got to make sure that every team gets a trophy because you don't want any losers. We got to build up self-esteem. That's our problem. In fact, the state of California has just appointed an official self-esteem, self-esteem task force. Unbelievable. I don't know if you all remember this or not. Some of you will, some of you older people. 20 years ago, sorry, 20 years ago or so, Whitney Houston sang a song, and it went to number one immediately. It was called The Greatest Love of All. Do you remember that song? It was a great song. Now, can you imagine singing a song about the greatest love of all? All the different loves. You got unconditional love. You got sacrificial love. You got godly love. But you know what the greatest love of all, according to the song, I don't think she wrote it, the songwriter, I don't remember who it was. According to them, the greatest love of all is to learn to love yourself. I mean, that's it. I can't imagine there's been a, a century in the history of the human race where somebody could sing a song that talked about the greatest love of all is to learn to love yourself, and people would take that seriously except this one. It's popular today. Lady Gaga says, you're a superstar because that's the way you were born. She says, don't leave here loving 
me more. Leave here loving yourself more. And because of that, we have increased sharply in our day the problem of narcissism. Students feeling like they deserve good grades whether they do or not. People going into the workforce and expecting larger wages whether they earn it or not. People walking around wondering why everybody's not making sure they feel good and get everything they want. Kids who don't know what's right and wrong. We have a sin problem. We need a doctor desperately. The next level, and i got to hurry, is transgressions. Listen, transgressions are what, when the Bible talks about transgressions, it's talking about those deep things way down in here someplace that we don't even know is there. And, And they just leak out. And sometimes when, when we do notice and they leak out, we can't do anything to shut it off. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the way you talk to your spouse sometimes. I'm talking about the way we talk to our kids and grandkids sometimes. I'm, I'm talking about how we complain when we should be forever grateful. We just talked about this a couple weeks ago. We should be grateful in all circumstances, the Bible says, and yet we complain about everything all the time. I'm talking about the thoughts and desires in here that we shouldn't have. Paul said it like this in Romans seven fifteen. He said, I don't understand what I do. I don't get it. He said, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. I hate it, he says. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what's good, but I cannot carry it out, Paul says. I want to do good, but I can't do it. Now listen, I have a real hard time hearing those words from the Apostle Paul, but they sure resonate with Jim Cain. How about you? Well, here's, here's what we need to understand and do something about, besides just coming down here and getting forgiveness. We need to understand that our, our lives are all about, we're a collection of habits. Did you know that? I, I looked up the definition of habit this week, and I, I found one I thought really hit the spot. A habit is a relatively permanent pattern of behavior that allows you to navigate the world. In other words, we have to have habits to live, and that's true. We learn to tie our shoe. We learn to type on a keyboard. We learn to drive a car. We learn to play the piano. Those are hard things in the beginning. You really got to concentrate. But once you learn it, it's just second nature. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Habits habits free us up. They're good things. How many of you in here are married, have to fight every night to see which side of the bed you sleep on? No, it's a habit. You know what you do. You know, you don't have to fight about it. We don't fight about which side of the bed we're going to sleep on. I know which side I'm sleeping on. I'm sleeping in the doghouse most of the time. You know, that's not true. But it's a habit. They free us up. Here's the thing about habits. We're such a collection of habits that that's why the staff tells me all the time, we can read you like a book. My family tells me that too. You know why? Because I'm a collection of habits. Always respond the same way to this. Always think the same way about that. Always say the same things about this. I'm a collection of habits, and so are you. Here's what I gotta, here's what we gotta remember. Sin has got into our habits. The way we think and the way we perceive and the things we watch and the way we talk and the way we walk and the places we go. Sin has got into my habits, it's got into your habits, and it's a tragedy of unspeakable proportions. And that's what Paul's talking about. He's not, it's not some kind of ghost inside of us. It's a brilliant observation of the human race. You and I have a sin issue, and it's crept all the way down inside of us and affects everything we do. Now, here's the thing. We can counteract that once in a while with willpower. You can come to church, and you can get all fired up and sing the songs and listen to a sermon that maybe resonates and maybe doesn't, and you can leave here thinking, I'm telling you what, from now on, I'm not talking to my kids like that. I'm done with it. I'm not going to treat my spouse like that anymore. 
I'm not going to that website again. I'm not watching that anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. And you can pull that off for a day or two, maybe even a week, maybe even a month. But over the long haul, all of us in here know that our habits will always defeat our willpower. I don't say very many wise things, but I just said one, so I'm going to say it again. Our habits will always defeat our willpower. So we've got to have something else. Those of us who want to live the way we should live, that's why you're here. We've got to change our habits. That's why we're always talking about reading the Bible, for heaven's sakes. Change how you're thinking. Change how you're perceiving. Change how you Stop watching Fox and CNN and all these other places and getting on social media. Read the Word of God. And get get your, your, your thoughts going in that direction. Give some of the money up. You know, get another Compassion International kid. So you got two or three. Get another one. Get, join World Vision. Go, go into town and give some money away. You want to get rid of, the, get rid of the habit of greed? Give some stuff away. Go someplace and find somebody that has worse off than you do and serve them and get rid of the habit of thinking everybody should be about you. In the words that you say, or maybe more importantly, sometimes the words you don't say, stop complaining. Start being thankful all the time. And most of all, just hang out with Jesus. See why these things are so see why these things are not just churchy things? See, they, they counteract the sin issue. You hang out with Jesus, guess what? Jesus didn't have to use willpower. Second nature for him to be obedient. You hang out with him and it change things. Last one, original sin. You're not going to find the term original sin in the Bible anywhere. But we all know what it is, and we all know where it started. It started in Garden of Eden when sin got the whole thing messed up. And it's, it's every one of us. You know, I was thinking earlier, when my kids were born, they were perfect. When Annabelle was born, perfect. I mean, she was a gorgeous, beautiful, perfect little human being. And then something happened. She's slumping. <laughs> About two years old or so. And man, it got dark. And I know where it happened. She picked it up in the nursery at church from some of your kids. I know. <laughs> ah, it's the first Adam, and it's in all of us. It's called sin. But you know what? We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We've been talking about that for two or three weeks. We've been talking about it here for 32 years. But we need to talk about it every day. You need to think about it every day. Those who are free in Christ are free indeed. We've got to think about that constantly. We've got to thank Him for that at the table. We've got to ask Him to change the way we think, and the way we talk, and what we look at. Listen to me. I, you guys look up here for just a minute. I love you all. You know that. Some of you I've known for a long time. And I know that some of us in here are struggling with sin some of us in here got a pornography issue some of us in here have problems with our marriage some of us are fighting greed and financial stuff some of us are mad man. we're just mad and you've got this bitter streak in you just can't go away you need a doctor he's in the building his mercies are new every day, and this is a brand new day. And you have an opportunity to come up here again today.
around the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ and say, you know what? All of this is yours. I laid at your feet. And you're free. And you can start today changing things up. Spend some quality time with the Lord and thank Him for His goodness.